0: Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rockhouse Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. And be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Today we are finishing up Nehemiah. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 13. Last week we talked about, well we asked this question, how far does your joy reach? And that was based on the story in Nehemiah chapter 12. Uh, By this point in the book of Nehemiah, the people had finished the work, they'd rebuilt the city walls, the temple had already been built, basically everything was in place. People had moved back into the city, Uh, they had experienced revival and now it was time to celebrate. It was time to party. You know what I mean? We had a little celebrating here today after some work from yesterday. Amen? And so they were celebrating. They were dedicating all this work to the Lord in Nehemiah chapter 12. And the, 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 the passage ended last week saying their joy or their rejoicing reached very far. And so we asked, how far does your joy reach? Today we get to the very last chapter in Nehemiah's story. Can you believe we're here? Feels like we've been here a while. Have you gotten anything out of the, out of Nehemiah? Have you enjoyed it? I know I have personally been blessed going through this this book. I thank God for His Word, and uh, congratulations, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Proud of you. Today in Nehemiah chapter thirteen, we're going to see that revival. Because that's what the people had experienced all throughout the book of Nehemiah. Revival brings reformation. Or revival brings reform. When revival takes place, some things begin to change for the better. Um, I'll just say this. Revival that does not bring reformation to your life. Revival that doesn't bring you any closer to God. Revival that doesn't change some things in your life for better is not biblical Revival. When true revival takes place, things begin to change, and it starts deep within yourself, in your heart. Yeah, you may have a good experience. You may have a, a great time in the Lord. You may get goose pimples from head to toe, but if it don't make you any more like Christ, you cannot call it revival. But real revival changes some things. And listen, change is not easy, is it? Reform is not easy. Sometimes it hurts a little bit when God begins to chip away at all the the garbage on you that needs knocked off. Usually, in this process, revival takes place. God begins to reform some things. More often than not, there's people that get hurt in the process. That's never, ever the goal. But the truth of the matter is, and I'm going to show you this from Scripture, when God is moving, man, you either get on the train or you get run over. It's just the, just the way it is. And we'll see that here in this passage of Scripture. So let's get right into it. You've got the dedication of the walls. You've got the big celebration. You've got chapter 12 finishing up, talking about faithful giving to support the, the Levites and the, the priest. I kind of left that part out because it's just kind of awkward. Y'all do a good job supporting me and Brian. Appreciate the kind words this morning. But let's jump right into Nehemiah 13, verse 1. It says, At that time... The book of Moses was read publicly to the people. i want to pause for a minute. A lot of the points I'm going to give you this morning, you've heard before throughout the book of Nehemiah. However, they are so important, you need to hear them again. And the first point I want to make, because the greatest change, the greatest reform that you can make in your own life, is to keep God's word in your life. We see this time and time again throughout the book of Nehemiah, haven't we? You need to make God's Word a part of your daily routine. I don't care if you get up early, you stay up late, or you throw it in at lunchtime. Wherever you can get in the Bible, you need to make it part of your life. Now, we saw a few weeks ago, and even to an extent last week, that a return, a faithful return to God's Word was a crucial element for revival, for national and private personal revival. And if you want to continue in personal revival... That book's going to be part of your life. George Barner research indicates that only 5% of Americans say that they interact with the Bible frequently and that it's transforming their relationships and shaping their decisions. 5% of Americans can say that, truthfully. That's down 4% from last year. of Americans say that the Bible has minimal impact on their lives. Basically, half of Americans say the Bible does not impact them at all. Folks, we got to be, and we have to remain, a people of the Word. A people of the book, man. Because when you get into the Word, until the Word gets into you, it begins to change your life. It changes your thoughts, your attitudes. It changes the, the choices that you make, it begins to alter your motives. As the Apostle Paul says, it begins to renew your mind. So we've got to be in the Word. All right, we are halfway through the first verse out of 31. We're making progress. It, it goes on to say, The command was found, written in it, that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God. Because they did not meet the Israelites with food and water. Instead, they hired Balaam against them to curse them. But our God turned the curse into a blessing because that's what our God does, doesn't he? Verse 3 says, When they heard the law, they separated all those of mixed descent from Israel. So once again, we've seen this pattern. The people get into the word. They find some area that they're being disobedient in. And guess what? They act on it. They repent. They they figure it out, and they take action. point is, we have got to remain obedient to the Word. It's one thing to know, Bible. You can quote Bible all day long, but if you don't let it get into your heart and change your life, you're not being obedient. The Bible says that's like somebody going up to a mirror that's all filthy and nasty, and you look in the mirror, and you see how dirty you are, and you walk away without washing yourself off. It's foolish, isn't it? We've got to stay in the Word, keep it in our lives, but also remain obedient to it. Now imagine how difficult this must have been. There may have been people's friends that had to leave because of this biblical mandate. There may have been families that were separated because of this right here. But the command was given. God says you have to be a pure people. You can't allow those people from other nations to influence you with their false gods. So separate yourselves. And I know it must have been tough, and I cannot even begin to imagine the comments that Nehemiah got when he said, hey, we got to follow this one. You remember those guys, Tobiah and Samballot, from the early chapters of Nehemiah? We've not heard nothing from them. You think by now they're gone, guess what? They come back. They've actually never went anywhere. Let's look at verse 4. It says, now before this, the priest, Elisha, had been put in charge of the storerooms of the house of our God. He was a relative of Tobiah. His family had married into this bunch and had prepared a large room for him where they had previously stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, the articles, and the tents of grain, new wine, and fresh oil prescribed for the Levite singers and gatekeepers along with the contribution for the priest. Can you believe that they let this dude live in the temple after all the trouble he's caused? So what happened is there's this place in the temple. It's a storeroom. It's a place where all the offerings, all the stuff that's required to keep the temple running and worship flowing and to also support the Levites and the priests and all the ministers that make all this possible, they kept it all in this room. Well, Elisha had taken all of God's stuff and thrown it out and moved old Tobiah in to live there. You can't make this stuff up. One of the biggest naysayers of all of God's work was personally benefiting from all that God's people had been doing. The problem with this, just imagine, there's nowhere to keep the offerings. That's what we'll say it's offerings. There's nowhere to keep it. So guess what? People stop bringing offerings. People stop bringing offerings. One, the priests, the Levites, can't. Run the temple. They can't make allow the people to worship God the way that they're supposed to. Two, they have no means to support themselves. Folks, you got to pay the preacher. And so, what do they do? They pack their stuff up and go back to their farm where they can support themselves. So now you've got no biblical worship going on because this Tobiah guy has moved into God's house. And it's taking up space. Now, all of this happened because Nehemiah had to go back to Babylon for a while. Then Nehemiah comes back. He finds out what's going on. He sits Tobiah down. He prays with him. He takes him to Romans chapter 10. He leads him to Jesus. Nope. That's the Sunday school answer, isn't it? Look what happens. Verse 8. Nehemiah says, I was greatly displeased and threw all of Tobiah's household possessions out of the room. I can just picture this. I ordered that the rooms be purified, and I had the articles of the house of God restored there, along with the grain offering and the frankincense. So he basically sends Tobiah packing, man. He restores everything back. Verse 14, what's he say? He prays again. He says, Remember me for this, my God. Remember me. Now, there's some things... (laughs) These preachers do. They take a hard stand. They say, I don't know if i want to be remembered for that or not. I said, remember me for this, God. And don't erase the deeds of faithful love I've done for the house of my God and for its services. So long story short, I'll summarize the next little bit. He also notices that the people aren't keeping the Sabbath. So he shuts down the gates on the Sabbath day. He tries to get everything back to the biblical standard makes some people anger, but again, he goes on, verse 22, he says, Remember me for this also, my God, and look on me with compassion according to the abundance of your faithful love. This next part's why I say sometimes people get hurt in the process. When revival takes place, biblical reform follows, sometimes people stand in the way. And I'll be honest with you, like I said, either you, when God's moving, you either get on board with what God's doing or you're going to get hurt. Our God is a mighty God. He is unstoppable. And one of my greatest fears is to stand in the way of what he wants to do. Now, Nehemiah has to address some issues because God is always purifying his people. He's always purifying his Bride the church. Look at verse 23. He said, In those days I also saw Jews who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. That's like saying, And they were marrying people from Hazard and Jackson. And I thought it was heathens, you know. 20, <laughs> verse 24 says, Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, or the language of one of the other peoples, but could not speak Hebrew. I... <laughs> I rebuked them, cursed them, beat some of their men, and pulled out their hair. I forced them to take an oath before God and said, You must not give your daughters in marriage to their sons, or take their daughters as wives for your sons or for yourselves. I'll be the first to say, we're not going to do that. (laughs) Some of you mountain men could just whip me like a rag doll. We ain't even going to try it. But it sounds extreme, doesn't it? He beats them, he pulls their hair out (laughs) curses them. But the reason he had to be extreme was because their disobedience was so extreme. They really crossed the line here. And one of the things that I love about Nehemiah as a leader is he doesn't just rebuke people and say, you have to do this or not do this because I say so. He goes back and he explains why this is such a big deal. Look down at verse 26. He said, Didn't King Solomon of Israel sin in matters like this? There was not a king like him among many nations. He was loved by his God and God made him king over all Israel. Yet foreign women drew him into sin. Why then should we hear about you doing all this terrible evil and acting unfaithfully against our God by marrying foreign women? Even, get this, even one of the sons of Jehoiada, son of the high priest of Elisha, had become a son-in-law to Sanballat the Horonite. So So I led him to the Lord. No, so I drove him away from me. And then again, Nehemiah says, not remember me. He says, remember them, my God, for defiling the priesthood as well as the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Man, you would think after all these people had gone through, after all the wonderful things they would seen God do, that they would take the sand ballots and the Tobias and either one get them on board or just send them packing like Nehemiah had to do. But they had, this one family, this of Eli- Eliaship, the high priest, just could not get away from these guys. And so now God has to intervene. And I know it sounds harsh. Honestly, it sounds like Nehemiah has come back from Babylon, and he's just a dictator, and he's ready just to throw people out. But he's doing God's work. And you say, well, now, how does this apply to us, preacher? that is harsh. That's Old Testament, man. Haven't you seen the New Testament? God's full of love and grace and mercy. Yeah, he is. I tell you what, God is still purifying his bride. If you don't believe that, then you haven't read the New Testament. There's a story in there in the early church of a couple, a man by the name of Ananias and his wife named Sapphira. And here's what happened. All these people were so close to God and so bought into the the work that God was doing through the early church, that they were selling stuff, they were giving all their goods and all their possessions to the the furtherance of God's kingdom and giving it to the church, helping everybody that Bible says, anybody that had a need, that need was met. And so Ananias and Sapphira come along and they've got this property and they're like, we'll sell that and we're going to outdo everybody else. We're going to give all of the proceeds of that to the church. The only problem was they didn't give it all. They kept part of it. But they acted like they gave every bit of it. Now listen, God didn't care that they didn't give it all. The problem was they lied about it. They tried to look like something that they were not. And you know what God did to them? He not only kicked them out of the church, He struck them dead on the spot. Whoa. That's the New Testament church. The point is, Remain faithful. One, stay in the word. Two, be obedient. But also stay faithful. And what I'm getting at, man, let's be honest. The only perfect one of us, his name is Jesus. People are going to mess up. People are going to make mistakes. People will fail you and let you down. I'll be the first to admit I'm going to say something that rubs you the wrong way. And then I'm going to turn around and not say something you think I should have said. And that's going to rub you the wrong. Preachers live in a no-win world sometimes. The point, though, is that we all make mistakes. And I don't want you to end up focusing on people. I want you to focus on Jesus. He's the only perfect one. Like we said last week, take your eyes off of all the other stuff and focus on him. You be obedient. You be faithful. You remain in the word. And if you do that... Man, God can use you to change the world and be part of that. Verse thirty says, "So I purified them." <laughs> he's he's at it, man. I purified them from everything foreign and assigned specific duties to each of the priests and Levites. I also arranged for the donation of wood at the appointed times and for the first fruits, basically restoring order in God's house. And then the whole book of Nehemiah ends with this. Remember me, my God, with favor, with grace. And that's Nehemiah's story. Rebuilding and revival to some very difficult reforms. It's not always pure, always per, pretty, pretty. I'll get it out in a minute. It's not always pretty because God's purifying people. But I believe, as Nehemiah prayed, that he is remembered with favor. That's why all these years later, we can stand here and learn from this guy named Nehemiah. His faithfulness to God, his faithfulness to God's word. And I felt it would be appropriate to end our series with the same question. It's a big deal for Nehemiah, and I want to ask you how will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? You go through scripture and there's only two sides. For one side, things work out pretty good. For the other side, not so good. There's no in-between. Either you're on God's side, either you're a sheep, or you're on the other side and you're a goat. You're either on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell. There is no gray area. There's two sides. And you got to ask yourself, which side am I going to be? Am I a Sanballat or a Tobiah? Am I an Ananias or Sapphira? Or... Am I on the Lord's side? Am I standing in the way of what God's wanting to do, or am I contributing? Am I engaged? Am I fulfilling the Great Commission in my own life? How will I be remembered? You can ask yourself, how will my children and my grandchildren remember me? Because you look through Scripture, yeah, we talk good about Nehemiah, but we we talk about Samuel and Tobiah and Ananias and Sapphira, Elisha, We just talk about how bad they were, how they were cut off from God's people. What will folks say about you one of these days? Will they say, man, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, they were a good person. I just wish they got saved. I love mom and dad, love grandma and grandpa, but you know, they never really led us to the Lord. Or will they look at you and look back and say, you know what? He may not have been perfect. She may not have been perfect. But there's one thing about it. They love Jesus. They were furthering God's kingdom. They were bought into what the Lord was doing. They always made sure that we knew they loved us. That God loved us. Allowed God to reform even the most difficult parts of their lives. Because it's tough. But what will they say? Think about it. How will you be... Remember, when when history is closed and the books are shut, not only all the good deeds and bad deeds, but one, will your name be written in the Lamb's Book of Life? What can they say about you? I want to pray for you. Father, when it's all said and done, I want them to say that I love Jesus. And I love his people. I'll be the very first one to admit, Lord, that I am not perfect. God, even as a pastor, as a man of the cloth, whatever you want to call it, God, I make mistakes. Lord, I know that your grace and your mercy and your love never fails. Lord, maybe there's folks here that they've lived a, a, a long time heading down the wrong road. And they think that's got to be the story of their life. But Lord, what we don't understand sometimes is that when you come into our lives, things start over. We get a whole new lease on life. And God, in your eyes, because of what Jesus has done for us, It's like the old song says, you can look at us and you can say, "What sin? I've cast that as far as the east is from the west. We gain a new identity in Jesus Christ when we come to him. And God, maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to take that step. They need their legacy to be that, hey, made a lot of mistakes, sure. But he got right with God. She got right with Jesus. Lord, maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to take that step of obedience and be baptized and get engaged and begin to follow you and serve you, Lord, however you can use their life. Because I know you've got a plan for each one of us. Lord, whatever decision someone needs to make, God, I pray that your spirit would guide them, that you give them courage to take that step. And Lord, together we'll celebrate. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.